Hey dreamers, welcome to another episode of the Money Matters podcast. Thanks to the internet, anyone can own a business if they want to and if they have strong Wi-Fi connection. In this episode, we're diving into what it means to be an entrepreneur and the steps to take if you want to start your own business with the excellent co-founder and social impact consultant at Y Impact, Kath Wyatt. Welcome, Kath. Before we dive into everything, it's time for the win of the week. This week's winner is Nicholas. Nicholas took the financial personality quiz in week one of our Dreamers Hub modules and got the authentic dreamer personality. This means that he's more than capable of sticking to a sensible budget, making smart decisions with his money and saving for the future. Go Nicholas. If you'd like to take the quiz yourself, head straight to week one of the Money Matters modules on the Dreamers Hub. We love celebrating you on your big and small wins throughout your journey. So be sure to submit your money wins on the forum for your chance to be featured and to win some extra points on the Dreamers Hub. Kath, thank you so much for joining us today. Before we dive in, tell us a little bit about what you do at Y Impact and what led you to start your very own business. Great. Thank you, Maddie. It's an honour to be here and on the podcast and be part of uh, the amazing work that you and the team are doing at Little Dreamers. So along with my brilliant business partner, Jess Colgan, about uh, three years ago, probably almost to the day, we founded a social impact consultancy business called Why Impact. So what we do is we work with social entrepreneurs across three key areas, and that is strategy, finance, and impact. And in short, this means we help business owners and not-for-profit founders to build their business, attract money from funders and customers, and then best manage that money to have the optimal social and environmental impact. To be honest, I actually didn't set out to start a business. It wasn't my intention. So I started my career working in business advisory in the corporate world. And I worked with a variety of businesses there, ranging from a Mexican restaurant Fonda to clothing, um, retail and recruitment agencies. So these are sort of small and medium-sized businesses up to sort of 500 mil turnover. And we helped create um, business plans for them, improve profits, buy, sell, valuations, you know, uh, all of the business advisory stuff. Um, it was amazing work, but I left to... Um, uh, with the pursuit of wanting to do do more good and thinking that those uh, two things were, were not mutually inclusive. So um, I left my job and after a bit of a, a self-discovery phase, you know, looking at my skills, where my passion was and also what opportunities were available, found the world of social enterprise. Startup culture is something that is very glamorized at the moment, but startup culture is also often described as unhealthy or even toxic at times because I guess the stress to succeed, and you and I both know this very well, is and can be so competitive. What is your experience with startup culture and what do you think young people should consider before diving into starting their own business and how do we overcome, I guess, some of what society is feeding back to us? Absolutely. It's such a good question and it is absolutely over-glamorized. Um, and like anything, you know, don't believe all the hype, but I do feel it's a bit of a, perhaps a compensation for burning the midnight oil and, you know, running back to back, scraping together the next stage of your startup with, you know, no or little resources. So I think it is important to frame things that are, are difficult as rewarding um, because it encourages others to, to give it a go. 
Um, I think it's also an outcome of the focus on being lean, perhaps. So, you know, with, with tech advancements, it means that it's possible to start and also to run a business from very little. But unfortunately, I think this can shift some of the burden of a business back onto the entrepreneur to also be lean, be the master of many things, different skills and areas of the business. I know, you know, personally, and as you said, we've both seen this and experienced it. I've had my fair share of hustling and probably skimmed the edge of burnout more than once in my career. Um, I think we used to say that by the end of the week, we were, you know, 98% caffeine and dry shampoo, sometimes perhaps not even having the time to uh, uh, properly shower and, and wash the hair. Yeah, it's interesting, like, you know, with a bit of retrospection, I wouldn't recommend it, the, a full-blown sort of hustle mindset. And that's, you know, not just for your personal health and, and relationships, but because you, you won't be doing your best work. So the best ideas, processes, innovation, I think they all come from this state of flow and being in a space where, you know, you feel good, you feel capable, grounded and like you can take on the world. So, you know, as opposed to sort of exhausted and and drained. So, yeah, I think it's important to have a sustainable mindset when you're building a business because as the cliche goes, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And unfortunately, very few businesses are made overnight. And even the overnight successes, they say, took five years behind the scenes. So, yeah, I'd, I'd love to change that culture, but for now, I won't lie to you, starting a business is hard work and we're hustling. <laughs> so, so what do you do? And I know that you've told me many, many times that you need to take care of yourself and um, I am the worst person when it comes to doing that. But what, what do we do when startup culture can be toxic and difficult what are the things that, that you've put in place in your own life or that you've seen other people put in place that can really help when you do start a business so that you're not, I guess, having burnout or you're not overdoing it along the way, which is tough when you're so incredibly passionate about what you've started, I guess. Absolutely. I think you've hit the nail on the head. They did warn me about starting a, a business that you were passionate about, that it was a bit of a, you know, a danger zone as you would have found with Little Dreamers and being a young carer as well. When you're incredibly passionate and coming at it from, from a lived experience perspective, then you are sort of perhaps at more of an increased risk of burning the candle at both ends. For me, I think there's sort of, there's three key things that, that have really helped. One is is perspective. So, you know, expecting nothing, appreciating everything. And when I do feel like I'm failing or I'm struggling, then, you know, for me, it's going surfing. So knowing myself and what I need. Um, going surfing gives me incredible perspective. You know, I've sat out there with friends before and likened surfing very much to, to being in business. I think it sums it up quite well. You know, sometimes you're on a wave, you're on top, you're riding it, you're feeling the rush, you're loving life. Um, but by nature that, you know, that wave does end. Um, and so, you know, and then the work begins again of paddling back out and, and starting the next phase of business or the next sale. Um, so it's, it's good to have that perspective and step out of your business and, and look back and just see, see it for, I guess, what it is that there'll be ups and downs you know, surfing is, is my self-care, but knowing yours as well. So I think self-care and self-knowledge 
um, so that you can recognize, you know, the signs of, you know, when your body is telling you that you're stressed, how does your stress sort of uh, show up? You know, is it in your skin? Is it in your diet? Um, uh, are you more emotional? Those sorts of things. So one of the biggest corners to cut, I would say, in um, in starting and, and running a business is absolutely about, you know, self-knowledge, self-awareness and knowing your weaknesses and you know, putting things in place up front, not, you know, before things get really hard, be it mentors and support squad, friends and family, um, you know, your, your, your weighted blanket or your live music gig or your quarterly holiday that you just know, um, you know, you're setting yourself up to succeed, but also have time for yourself um, away and out of the business and out of the hustle. I'm going to say yes, yes, yes to all of the things that you've said in terms of how um, stress and and burnout and everything can um, exhibit signs in your life. You were talking about stress, you were talking about um, skin, you were talking about diet, you were talking about sleep and I was like, yep, that's me, tick, 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 tick. Doesn't it sound amazing? Are we tempting everyone to get into business? (laughs) I think that, I mean, look at the flip side of it, right? Like there are so many incredible things that come out of running your own business. And Mm. let's say that I did want to be my own boss, pretend that I'm not in Little Dreamers and and I did want to be my own boss. And I, but I don't have an idea necessarily. I just know that I want to start my own business and I want to run something from the ground up. What advice do you have on developing a product or service um, and how to figure out, I guess, what the gap in the market is and do we need to reinvent the wheel every time or solve a problem differently? Or is there ever a space for duplicating something that's already out there, but doing it better? Yeah, good question. And I think it's something that you have hit the nail on the head and it probably is why you can do as much as you do is it's just so important to have fun. And it's when you are having fun that you will be in that, you know, state of flow and you will be creating and and coming up with new and fresh ideas. So start with fun. And as soon as it stops being fun, um, I'm not going to say you're doing it wrong, but um, just step back and and rethink and see if there is a way that you can go about it that is more enjoyable. Yeah, it's funny whenever someone brings up reinventing the wheel, I always think of that sort of old old one-liner of like Henry Ford, you know, designing the car and saying if if he had have asked people what they wanted at the time when they were in horses and buggies, they would have said faster horses. They wouldn't have said, I want a car. So, when I think you're at the start and you're trying to come up with an idea, you know, you want to go into business, I would throw out the wheel and start with a blank piece of paper. No pre, well, as few preconceived ideas as is possible when you've already lived in the world for, you know, a a couple of years. But yeah, uh, you know, reinvent the wheel from the idea perspective, then when it comes to implementing your idea, so your business processes, procedures, um, you know, how to sort of shortcut things, that's when I would say, yeah, copy, paste, don't reinvent the wheel, um, leverage other people's business practices and what they do, what your mentors and like organisations are doing. And yeah, don't don't try and be too creative about that. <laughs> I love, I mean, I feel like I should have that Henry Ford quote up on the wall somewhere because I think (laughs) it really, it really does give some perspective of the fact that they always say that, you know, test your idea on people, but 
just asking them might not, people, you're right, might not look at that idea and go, yeah, I do think we need that. I mean, I look at some of the things I have in my house and if someone had told me that I would have a dog toy that would roll around and make noise, I probably wouldn't have told them that I needed that. But then you see it and you see it in practice and you see the impact it has on my dog and you're like, hey, I do need one of those things. Thank you marketing for telling me that I need one of those things. (laughs) What would we do if not for marketing to tell us who we are? (laughs) Seriously. I think back to when Little Dreamers first started. So I had an idea of what I wanted to do. Um, What are some of the key things I guess we need to consider in order to get started? Do we need a business plan? Like really? (laughs) Um, So I feel like you're asking that question trying to get out of writing a business plan already. (laughs) I think um, it's my business plans can be quite daunting. You know, a, a traditional business plan is quite a lengthy document. There's a lot of research that goes into it. I think when you're starting out, especially if it is your first business, then um, there's something called a business model canvas, which is going to be a lot more useful and practical for you. A business plan has its place and it's probably later on in a business, but I think early up it's, you know, it's so important to um, test and fail, get your ideas out there, ask your customers whether they do like them and, you know, take that feedback with a grain of salt and, and keep that moving. And what the business model canvas does is it summarizes really all the the key things. So, you know, the nine building blocks of business um, that you need to consider to to make sure that you are, you know, having a, a holistic approach to it. You have thought through things and you're not fully rushing into it, but it keeps it really simple so that you can screw up that one A3 piece of paper canvas and start again. Um, so I've actually included a, a link. I don't know how many people listening would have heard of the business model canvas, but there's some great tools available for free online. Even just, you know, sort of Googling it, you'll have a few videos pop up that'll give you a great overview of, you know, not just how to complete it, but also questions to ask yourself as you're, you're working through, you know, the nine steps. And then I guess if I can be cheeky, so I've got a, a financial background as a chartered accountant and so, and and I feel, you know, Money Matters podcast, it's not totally irrelevant, is focusing on the financial side of it. So along with the, the business model canvas, which does ask some questions around money. So, you know, what will it, it cost to run my business? How much am I going to make? And the all important question about margin, what's the margin on my product going to be? is also just um, having a a budget that sits alongside that. So I have also included as well, I think we can can pop in the podcast notes, um, just a business budget and also a personal budget. So one of the things we often forget when we're looking at, you know, how much money does my business need is, you know, you're a really key part of your business and if you personally can't meet your financial needs So, you know, pay your rent, put food on the table and, you know, have a couple of fun nights out, go to some music gigs, then you're really not going to be able to contribute to the business. And so it's important to start with that, I think, personal budget as well to know how much you have left over to to tip in to to start up the business and and to fund it as it goes Um, and also to make sure you're not creating financial stress for yourself. I'm so glad that you mentioned the business model canvas and um, (laughs) 
and also budgeting because on the Dreamers Hub in our modules this week, you can actually find templates for both of those things. So you can jump on and if you do have a uh, idea that you want to test or anything you want to play around with, you can head on to the Dreamers Hub, download those resources, print them out as many times as you'd like, have a play and see what you come up with. And then you can also share whatever ideas you come up with with us on the Dreamers Hub forums as well. What, I guess you've touched on a few things around financials and we've spoken a little bit about marketing. What are some of the other things we actually need to do in order to get a business off the ground? Do you need to have a lot of money to put in? Like what if you don't have any money to put into a business idea, but you want to test something out, you want to try it, you want to launch a business? What can we do? You know, there's a, um, I think you know this one well, there's a really fantastic initiative by Foundation for Young Australians, which is called $20 Boss. And, uh, you know, they go into schools and, and challenge the kids there to start a business with $20. And so they, with that model, they have shown sort of time and time again that on $20, you can start a business. I think there was one genius entrant that went and took $20 from other kids and started a loan system. So he had $100 to start his business. So absolutely, you can start with anything. And I think, you know, as, as you mentioned in the introduction, the internet and a, a good Wi-Fi connection permitting, as well as, you know, what's happened in 2020 has meant that it's a lot easier to start a business. So I guess I would say, you know, don't feel you need to go all out. What's your marketing strategy and can I afford a billboard to tell everyone about my fantastic product? You can just start with, you know, Instagram um, and other socials. You can connect with people on LinkedIn. So reaching out to potential mentors, people that you admire in business, asking for a catch-up, asking for advice, asking if they'll review your canvas. And, uh, you know, the, the other thing that really gives your business legitimacy is an ABN. So an Australian business number is something that is completely free and it will just mean that when, you know, people are searching for your business, something does pop up. Um, it doesn't cost anything. And again, you know, uh, one of the, the fantastic mentors at Little Dreamers or someone that you can get in touch with on LinkedIn can help you out if, if you are sort of struggling to, to complete that application. And it's as simple as that. You actually don't need a company or a trust or, or a charity structure at the start. I would focus on, on the guts of your business, on, on the product, the service, on getting that out to market and not so much initially on the structure until you know, you know, how big it's going to be and, and what you want to do with your business. Even then, when you start thinking about structure, I mean, I look at some of the big organizations that I hear go through restructures every two years. And and even then you look at these massive corporations and even Little Dreamers as a, a very small organization. And we don't have everything right. Like we've, we've been going for 11 years now and we started, we didn't invest any money of our own into the business. We ran an event and tried to get fundraising dollars that way. But it is it is something that's always interesting. Like we often hear about companies who started as a side hustle or just with $300 or whatever it might be, those rags to riches stories, I guess. Um, Those stories of those really inspirational stories of people who were so close to losing it all. And then overnight, it kind of 
booms or they get this great idea that kind of changes the world. Um, in your experience, and, and you know a lot of incredible entrepreneurs, you are an incredible entrepreneur, how long can it start? Can it take to start a business? And I know they say Rome wasn't built in the day, but when we get into it, we can often get quite impatient. So I don't know. How do we, what do we do when we feel like things aren't moving as quickly as we like, or we might feel overwhelmed by having a lack of resources? Yeah. Um, interesting. I, I definitely agree with you. Most of, I would say most of the businesses that we work with really didn't have startup capital, um, at least nothing that would be uh, you know, considered enough by most of the business owners that I worked with when I was in corporate that, you know, did perhaps start with uh, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars to to tip in. So these days a lot uh, scrappier, <laughs> for lack of a better term, and able to start from, you know, just skills and connections. And I think Australia is a pretty fantastic place for that. I would lean heavily on your network and you'll probably be surprised just how willing people are to give and contribute and support you on your entrepreneurial journey. In terms of how long it takes to say how long is a piece of string but or to deter by saying it'll always take longer than 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 you think but do you know from a from a planning perspective um, expect it to take longer than than you do plan and I think really sticking to um, you know the key points of of keeping it it simple. Don't overthink it. Um, get out there and and talk to people. Not just how they can support you, but whether they would buy your product. Getting input, and also just leaning on friends, um, family. Um, they can be your greatest resources, perhaps even financial. Um, you know, a lot of the startup capital comes from um, just getting the business model canvas together, getting to a, a minimal viable product, so a, sort of a prototype of your product or service, and then putting that in front of your your loved ones and seeing if they will back you because, you know, generally speaking, they, they are your, your biggest supporters. So I think um, sometimes we think that not having money is is a significant handicap, but I would say um, ingenuity and, and innovation are really the things that you can't do it without in business. And if you if you follow that, if you follow um, you know your heart and build something that you are passionate about and work to solve a problem that you have you know perhaps personally experienced or that you see in the world. Um, that really connects with you, then absolutely you can you can start a business on the smell of an oily rag. So if you had to give yourself three pieces of advice, three words of wisdom, if you look back at Kath starting Why Impact all those years ago, um, what three pieces of advice would you have given fresh-faced Kath at the beginning of Why Impact? <laughs> I don't know if she was ever fresh-faced. <laughs> from, uh, you know, corporate burnout straight into startup. Um, no, uh, what would I say? So absolutely number one would be um, get a mentor or two or three. And, you know, it's one of the things I love about Little Dreamers is that emphasis and focus on having your support squad get around you and having mentors that you can leverage their experience but also um, that will be there for you for the the highs and lows um, of of running your business. So um, 
yeah, they'll be invaluable. I think, you know, sometimes being a business owner, it can feel perhaps a little bit lonely and um, your mentors will be a great ear, but also to remind you that it is just, you know, in between waves, in between sets, if I can pull on that analogy still, um, and that, you you know, you will bounce back and you'll be cruising again. Um think, you know, the other key thing that we did early on was um, a a membership to a community. So finding a um, a group of people, a community, be it, uh, you know, virtual or for us at, at the time was co-working um, to, again, support you and expand that squad. So uh, when Jess and I started, we joined One Roof, um, which is a community for entrepreneurs supporting women in business. And uh, absolutely, you know, hand on heart, I would say we, you know, we probably wouldn't still be running um, or I, I wouldn't still be as, as passionate and motivated if not for the support that we found there. Um, so, it, you know, it wasn't just um, friends and, and Friday, Friday night drinks. Um, it was expert advice. You know, they had lawyers, accountants on hand. Um, and then, you know, we also met a significant number of our clients through there and also made, you know, other really key business connections that sort of launched us forward definitely how we met. Um, yeah. so, can, my, um, can my third be really boring? Yeah. But money matters. <laughs> <laughs> um, a zero subscription. So this is something we, we did, but uh, getting your finances sorted is not something to put to the end. And so one of the things that we see time and time again and a conversation that we often have is, a general um, fear around money or this, I don't know numbers. Lots of people feel that they aren't good with numbers. They don't know numbers. They don't understand finances. And I just want to, if I can, in a few words, just demystify that. The mental block is probably the biggest thing. So get started, pull out those budgets um, that you guys have put up online and and have a play with them. And then the other thing is just a, that tracking system. So, you know, some uh, accounting software, we do find zero is really easy, starts at, you know, $10 a month, so um, somewhat accessible. This is really critical to just knowing how much money you're making, so what's coming in, what you're spending it on, how much is going out and how much you have left. And I think without that, um, it's incredibly difficult to make, you know, key decisions about your business. That's definitely something that I know, Kath, you and I've spoken about a number of times where I said, I'm not a numbers person. You're like, no, everyone's a numbers (laughs) person. Um, So... Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, Today's episode has been incredibly insightful. And as you know, I am super passionate about it. I know you're super passionate about it. So it's been great to have this chat with you. If our dreamers want to learn more about you and your work, where can they find you? Thanks, Nani. And yeah, thanks for those listening. So we're at uh, whyimpact.com.au and also feel free to reach out to me. Happy to lean on my network um, wherever there's someone that we can connect you in with. So yeah, feel free to to contact me on my personal LinkedIn as well, just under Catherine Wyatt. And uh, yeah, thanks so much, Nani. Thanks so much, Kath. Now it's time for Dreamer Diaries. Each week, we'll follow James and Julie, two young carers on a journey to own their finances. James, wanting to offer support to other young carers like himself, 
feels inspired to create a brand that does just that. There's one problem, timing. James isn't in a position to launch a business just yet, but knows that that doesn't have to stop him testing out his idea in the real world. After some thought, James decides to create an Instagram page, a place for information, community support and activities for young carers wanting to meet and connect with each other. While it's not exactly a business in the traditional sense, James is excited. He knows if he can foster a supportive online community, he'll be one step closer to building the company he wants to create. After gaining huge praise from a recent sticker design project, Julie decides to put her newfound skills to use by creating an online store to sell her stickers. Because Julie's product is fairly low cost to make, Julie calculates she'll need to sell each sticker from anywhere between $4 to $10 to cover the material costs and her time. With this in mind, Julie estimates that printing and resizing 50 stickers will take her two hours, which she can easily manage. After a few weeks, Julie gets her ABN and website set up alongside a stash of envelopes to send to customers upon purchase. Now, all that's left to do is market her product. Over the course of the next few months, Julie markets her products via social media and her stickers sell out. She's so happy that she decides to take her profit towards testing new designs, shapes, and stickers, eventually planning on making keychains and growing her online store even more. That's it for this episode. This week, I challenge you to think of something you want to make and brainstorm ways that you can test out your idea with little to no money. Remember, you can share your progress with us in the forum on the Dreamers Hub. Bye for now.